0: Your team is working pretty well, but there's something missing. It may feel disconnected or decision-making is not as open as you'd like it to be. Your meetings feel like there's a lot of talk, but you don't have the traction you want. As surprising as it sounds, it could be that your team needs a bit of silence. This week on We Not Me, we're talking to Bastian Orgar, who is the author of Noise Free, Rethinking How We Talk, so that we can explore how being quiet together can really help teams. Hello and welcome back to We Not Me, the podcast where we explore how humans connect to get stuff done together. I'm Dan Hammond. And I'm
1: Pia Lee. Hey Dan, we're back after a bit of a break and our festive season. So what was your best present from Christmas? What did you get?
0: Well, we it's sort of slightly related to this week's topic actually now I think about it, but we we got from, from Juliet's parents, we asked for these speakers to have Sort of like you know, old school. We, you know, people are turning back to vinyl. We're not doing vinyl, but we do have like we used to have. You know, you used to have a sort of a, a hi-fi. Our children would thought this hilarious—a hi-fi. So we've got an amplifier and proper speakers sitting in our sort of living room now. Um, so we can sit and listen to music and have it sound really nice and full and bassy and all those things, which has been absolutely amazing. Actually, it's meant that we've sat and listened and talked instead of being tempted to just flick the telly on which has been lovely
1: but that's through spotify or
2: apple it is yeah exactly so it now
0: no now not going vinyl i think that yeah exactly yeah. i know it, it's very popular now but uh decided against that but yes you can do it straight from your phone or whatever so it's all new newfangled but yeah wonderful what about you
1: well similar similar type of thing so uh, we went for a, a health kick and um and our long-awaited present was a infrared sauna. So we're looking for the eternity of light, you know, which I'm hoping that, you know, I, I yeah, it has wonderful apparent benefits. So I'm I'm prepared to try that. Uh but it also has Netflix. You can get Netflix inside it. It's got a little screen. And it connects to what looks like a car radio. But you know, I I and don't tell highs, I'm not connecting it. I haven't i d I've said I'll try and have a look, but I haven't actually even tried. Because I love this little box which can squeeze two of you in or you can be luxuriously on your own. It's like it's like a little quiet cabin. And it is really, really nice actually, just to go in there uh either first thing in the morning or last thing at night and just switch off.
0: Excellent. Oh, I love the sound. Of, I love the sound of the health benefits. But yes, the silence is is a wonderful thing. And I think um, that's, I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure pretending to fiddle around with that for months on end will keep you in glorious silence. Um, so, uh, so yes, but let's go over and here, Bastian, because today's topic, we're starting a whole series of shows with a lot of talking but we are actually going to start by talking about what happens when we stop talking with Bastian. so it's a wonderful conversation let's go and hear that now
1: i am so excited to have a fellow dane on we not me this is the first time ever and a huge welcome to Bastian overgar
2: thank you so much for thank you
1: oh i can't we can't wait because it's such an intriguing topic and, uh, and it's going to be really rich for us in a very crowded, tumultuous world to talk about silence. So it's, it's perfect. But before that, um, I think you know the drill. So you, you, you have to go through the, the little tests, which you don't have to do in silence. You can say as many words as you would like.
2: I appreciate that. I, I have a lot of words in me. I, I'm not a, I'm not this uh, this guy who who was born like super like the silent guru. I'm a normal person, like a Quaker. No, yeah, exactly. I'm a normal person, just like you, with a lot lot on my mind and a lot of words in my mouth. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, yeah, it's it's strange
0: to have a podcast where it, which is about a lot of talking, but we're starting our season with uh, just reflecting on the on, on silence. So I can't wait to hear hear this, Bastian. So, the question I have for you is. I think it's quite an english question actually but it it it's it is what what i would send to room 101 so this is uh, i don't know if you've read george orwell um but this is the room i think where you would send the where where the things that you fear most are are there for you or the, or maybe perhaps the things that you dislike the most
2: oh uh, so so what would i send away what i fear most like um i think i fear um meaning meaninglessness because I, I think we live in a world where there's a lot of meaninglessness i think there's a lot of noise meaningless noise we are producing a lot of meaningless noise uh and and i always like always had a passion to to dig deeper to to go beyond the bullshit down to 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 where we are authentic where we, we are honest uh, we are creative bold uh, living people and i, and I feel that a lot of people they they just go through life um, and and not really like, waking up in a way and um, and I think that's important. That's also where silence comes in because like when we're just drowning in noise, information, entertainment, distractions, uh, w- there's a lot of things we don't notice around us and and among others and in ourselves.
0: Wonderful. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, you've made me really think there because. I think um my wife and I have both had a good think about our relationship with social media as we go into 2024 and really I think meaninglessness it, yeah you've you've struck a chord there um for sure, bastian I think your answer there, is, as you say, has sort of foreshadowed what we're going to be talking about and, and and very maybe went quite deep on your passions. but tell us about you a little bit. give us a potted bio and, a, and tell us what we're going to be talking about today.
2: Yeah. So, um, so I I've been I've been self-employed for for twenty four years, um, and uh, mostly it's been within the, the creative uh, industries. Uh, but but turning over to to consulting and teaching, I've written four books. Um, one about personal development. One about uh, meditation. Um, and and then uh, my my third book, which is like the thing I. Think we should talk about today is uh, in in Danish uh, called noise free leadership uh, with the subtitle how we achieve more by talking less and the fourth book uh, it just came out in Denmark it's actually a children's book about silence to learn the coming gener- upcoming generations. Uh, the language of silence, because uh, my vision is that that we need that in our lives and we don't have it today. We are not teaching our children or each other uh, to understand silence also as a part of our uh, mutual social interaction, um, because that's that's where I use uh, silence. Um, it's in social interaction. It's not about going to the mountain uh, somewhere in Thailand and, and meditate for three months and come back. It's about... Um, bringing silence into our whole being our communication and by the way i, I don't have any like um, large educations i'm i'm pretty much um, self-taught in in everything i do uh, but in in the, the beginning of the the zeros uh, in, in 2003 i was uh, producing television programs in denmark on national tv um actually coming directly from my passion to break habits, break uh, the routines, the inhibitions that limits us from from living more open, full, um, uh, creative lives. And my my program was called Club 180. So it was about uh, turning uh, everyday habits into uh, life experiments where you turn them upside down 180 degrees to see uh, how you would experience life in in opposite of what you're used to. And that's where I met silence. So that was where I had my pivotal moment that has uh, then steered me uh, into a career of of promoting silence and facilitating silence.
1: Oh gosh, well that's yeah that has got a got a, a big topic area and lots uh, lots to delve into there. So let let me go back. What what was the initial event or the first thing that happened to you that caused you to want to study silence
2: yeah so so it was actually uh, a, a, this this uh, a pivotal experience that that um, that that opened my eyes or ears as you can say to to silence because um in in one of these uh exper- some of the experiments i researched on and 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 experimented with on this tv program i asked a group of people to be silent with me for a few minutes. I asked uh, people one-on-one to be silent together uh, for one hour, to, to eat together in silence, to, to do stuff in silence. Like I actually started to do a lot of different variations of being silent with others, just from the premise that it is totally weird and out of the, the ordinary to be silent with someone unless you are at a funeral or you are in a meditative uh, retreat or in a hospital way or not, or you in, in a, in a library, like, like the silence for the sake of silence, that was actually my intro- introduction to this. But, but the eureka moments that, that has moved me f- uh, to where I am today was the experiences I got from people because they, they would tell me that they felt extremely uh, concentrated, relaxed, focused, and the most interesting thing was that that a, a common uh, feedback was, I feel I know you better after we've been silent together. There was one time in one of my experiences, a woman, I, I remember it clearly, it's 20 years ago, and she said, I feel I like you better after we were silent together.
1: <laughs> I'm sure, but she could interpret any different way,
2: really, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. I, I know, think. I know. But it was meant in a very positive way. <laughs> in a positive way, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 it's not because like uh, oh, you shut up, and now I like you it better. It's but but this is where I, I had my my thesis about this. My theory was that you probably also know that people you know very well, you can be silent in a comfortable way. It's kind of a, it's a marker of relationships that you can be comfortable with silence. So I actually turned that around because I heard everyone say that, but, but still, we, most people would feel awkward with just a few seconds of silence. And, and you know, if you look at, at, uh, at linguistics uh, research in, in, in our um, <laughs> relationship with silence, in the Western world, we, we tolerate one second of silence in our dialogues. Uh, American uh, research shows that that if the silence comes to 1.3 seconds, this the silence uh, becomes open for interpretation, right? So already there 1.3 seconds, we feel something is off. Like we don't um, expect silence in our interactions with each other. So that's what I wanted to turn around, because I said, okay, if we still we have this, we feel awkward in one way being silent. One just more than 1.3 seconds, um, but we still feel it's a good marker of, of relationship. What if we turn it around? What if we made artificial spaces of silence? Could we actually kind of fool our consciousness to to believe, oh, I've been silent with, with Dan and Pia for three minutes? I, I, that was okay. So uh, then I, I must actually like them, right? So this was uh, team building on on steroids. Yeah, it's amazing. When, when we uh,
0: met... Um, a few weeks ago, Bastian, to uh, for the first time, and uh, to, to talk about doing the uh, doing this show, um, we had 40 seconds of um, of silence together, and and you set that up so that. It, uh, and, and it really had that effect, I, I felt. And when we jumped on the call this morning, I, I felt I knew you pretty well. And, and I think it was deepened by that silence. So I've experienced that. And uh, it's, it's uncanny and mysterious, isn't it? But somehow, I guess what you're saying, you're accelerating into that point where you are, feel comfortable to be silent together. You, you, you pushed us into that point. So we, uh, yeah, and it, it had an impact for sure.
2: Wow, I'm I'm am so happy you had that experience, and thank you for sharing it here. Um, I also had a great great time, and, and 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 I use it every time. Like like yesterday I, day, I was talking with a, a an executive, um, a, a client, and and I stopped for 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 forty seconds, and 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 I asked afterwards, how was that? And she was like, oh, it was wonderful, and like she was a really speed talker. <laughs> But 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 and and that's that's the point. A lot of speed talkers they don't necessarily do it because they just want to dominate the conversation. But they just don't stop themselves. They they are not conscious of it. So for her just to suddenly be stopped, that I facilitated that stop and it was like and it started to snow and she looked at the snowflakes outside and like she was just ah oh, became so calm and i didn't even ask her to meditate or be mindful or anything and and that's one of the points that that i'm telling all the companies and organizations i'm working with uh, regarding this um that that the, the good thing about this facilitated silence i call it silent performance is that that you don't have to be mindful. It, the, the the mindfulness actually ha- arises uh, by itself if it is facilitated correct Because I don't want to. It's not a magic pill. There is a lot of awkwardness around it if you don't perform it right. If you don't faci- uh, introduce it and, and preframe it correctly, then then there's a lot of uh, insecurity around it.
1: And so that leads me then to: so, do you look at the other person? Where does the gaze go? Does it feel awkward? Like, are we staring at one another or looking at our feet? Like, what, what happens in that moment? You can tell I'm a natural at this, can't you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I can tell you that, that uh, I, I will give you the most annoying answer, and, and that is there is n- not a one-size-fits-all. It's, it's like if I, uh, um, I showed you a, a, a pencil for the first time, and you said, "Oh, that that's a remarkable tool." Uh, how long should the words be? Like, which words should I write with this pencil? That's basically the question you just uh, asked me. Because they are like like I, I work with three types of silence. Um, I've developed three types, uh, like categories. That is um, restorative silence, relational silence, and reflective silence. So. So when I when I perform, um, for example, team building uh, workshops in in, in companies uh, organizations, there are these incredible team building exercises that are, can be a little, um, you know, it takes a little courage for some people. But 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 for example, imagine you you walk around with your colleagues uh, in in three minutes. The exercise is three minutes, and I, I will ask you to be silent, of course. And in the first one minute, you'll just walk around together and just just uh, look at each other when you when you see uh, your colleague passing by, your colleagues passing by, but you don't have to think about anything. Then after one minute, I, I, I stop people and say, the next minute, when you when you catch your your uh, when you eye gaze with someone, ask yourself, uh, how can I inspire this person? How can I help this person? And and you don't have to sit and, and stand and, and stare uh, like a psycho into uh, to other's eyes. Like it's it's just a glance. It's just a few seconds, and then you go past to the next. Because it's very important that it, it's not uncomfortable. Because this is so intimate for most people. Uh, that 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 a lot of people they can't be that. So in the in the in the third minute, they I would I would say, what can you learn from the other person? You have to ask yourself every time you see your colleague, like, "What can I learn from this?" And doing this in silence, it just it just strengthens it. Like you said, Dan, like it 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 enhances this relationship building. There is some extra element of, of um, and it creates this psychological safety afterwards. So uh, so that's the relational silence. An example of that um, reflective silence can be just asking for silence before. Uh, um, if if you want someone to, to come up with a decision in a meeting, uh, I primarily use this for, for meetings, internal meetings. And that's that's reflective silence for um, getting ideas, brainstorming, um, uh, make, making decisions. And the restorative silence where you use it to reset. You reset the brain coming into a meeting, for example, uh, reset in the middle of a meeting. There are many ways of doing it. But it's very important that you pre-frame it correctly and you feel comfortable in the silence yourself because if, if you don't uh it won't be a good exercise
0: it's it's absolutely fascinating and it was a really surprising idea when we when we spoke but it came at exactly the right time for me Bastian. i think because i've been reflecting I, i've always had a huge i've always been a huge fan of words i love writing and i think they're so powerful and i've always felt that the word the written communication is a just such a potentially you know powerful good and um you know in the marketing world, peer you're the same you know, how do you use your words to actually get things across and and we really think about that but i I'd, I'd noticed recently as I observed, particularly we spent a lot of time in the last season talking about communities and division and all these things. you realize how words are used to divide actually and 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 i 've started to really tune into. Wow. Okay, you've used that word there instead of that word. And it look, it's a subtle difference, but you've absolutely driven a wedge um, in between. So I started to realize that these words that I've always loved and cherished are actually dangerous little creatures. So I, I was immediately drawn to this idea of actually um, doing the opposite spending time not using these things.
2: It's very important that you mention this because like we live in a world uh, speaking of di- division where we either think in black or white and and, and I've for for 10 years uh, like really working full time with this, I met so much of this where people say, oh so you want us to, to be silent so we shouldn't talk. what about communication? but it's actually about bringing in the space. like I, I, I usually say um, a meeting without silence is like a typewriter without a space bar. Like it becomes noise. Like, uh, I, and I made this calculation that that, we, uh, that according to linguists, we speak with 150 words per minute. Uh, most places, it's more than that, I, I have to say. But if it's just 150 minutes per, per, per minute, uh, then we actually speak with 9,000 words per hour. That's the same as when you go into a one-hour meeting with your colleagues. You throw uh, 22.5 academic pages of information in the, in the head of each other, but it's not. It's just 22.5 uh, pages of good information, uh, because what happens when you sit and write 22.5 pages? Like you will write and write, and you will come come to the conclusions, and you afterward you will edit that. So so you don't. They don't have to have all the middle thoughts, but in a meeting. You think while you talk. You talk while you think. So it's 22.5 pages of draft that we throw to the heads of each other. And it's in a, in a world where we already are bombarded with information overload, where our cognitive bandwidth is, is totally under pressure. And we know that when our cognitive bandwidth is under pressure, that's where we make mistakes. That, that's where we, beca- we behave irrationally. That's also where we become more selfish. And the problem is that it is it is like um, a, a vicious circle because when I talk, and this is uh, research from from uh, from Howard University, uh, research shows that when I talk and I I have the possibility of sharing my opinions and what I think to others, I actually release huge um, amounts of of dopamine, huge levels of dopamine in my brain. You know, and that and dopamine—that I I want more. When I get that dopamine fix, I want more. And dopamine is 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 actually priming us to be more uh, selfish. Dopamine is a selfish hormone. Uh, it's not a we hormone. It's a me hormone. So so that's also why I think it's interesting to talk to your podcast, we not me, because if we have meetings where we speak with nine thousand words per hour, there's no stop. Um, <laughs> what what do we promote? which hormones are actually promoting our culture. The reason why we need silence, it's, it's, like, it's like if you compare it to, a, to an engine, an old-fashioned engine, you have, you have um, fuel and you have air. It's, it's a great combination of fuel and air that makes uh, the motor run. If there's too much fuel and not enough air, the motor will drown. Even though how big your BMW or Mercedes is, it'll just stand still. And, and, and the, my point is that, that we, we have no air. There's no spaces. It's just words, words, words. And, and when I am stop talking, then one second after or sometimes even before, someone else will start talking. So that also means that we are constantly forcing each other in a meeting with 9,000 words. Uh, we are forcing each other to multitask. Like, for example, now you have to listen to my words while you're thinking and reflecting. I have to talk to you while I'm thinking and reflecting. It is constant multitasking. So there's no time in this meeting where we can just think. And that's why you see, and I and my clients see, that when we go and make it a part of the culture, that silence actually becomes a habitual part of this, the meeting. Not as a break, not because, oh, go out and, and relax and meditate. No, just like, like the air fueling the, the engine, right? Then we end our meetings like twenty thirty percent before time we We take faster decisions we we stop all the the word flow so the more quiet voices, the introverted voices the introverted talents they get heard, and it just raises the collective uh, intelligence in a group This sounds like it would be useful for any team any group but as well but
0: um what sort of um problems issues might they be seeing that, that this would really help them with
2: so so right now i'm, I'm sitting and 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 i i have uh, meetings with um with clients where i'm i'm doing keynote speeches for them and and it's and and what i see is that like yesterday i just had two in a row and and it's just the same problems they have so and especially when it comes to leadership it's like their day, uh, their their days packed with meetings. They jump from one meeting to another. They don't have time to reflect. They don't have time to go up in 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 a higher position to look down and navigate. They they are just actually just being, uh, you know, carried away uh, by the stream of 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 every day. That's one thing. Another thing is that that they have this problem that they they don't include everyone. It is very normal in most teams that there are some of the employees or leaders that talk more, uh, faster, better than others, and and it's it's a huge potential that we lose um, because there's there's a, we know from from science in in collective intelligence that if you want to raise the collective intelligence in a team, and this is basically common sense, I would think you have to have an equality in the speaking time. And, and And a lot of leaders are very good talkers uh, because because that's also how they they came to power because they were very uh, well spoken right um, and and that's also a problem that, that it can become a lot of words and and for example, in in one of my master classes, I had a leader he admitted to me he said, "When I come into a meeting and I'm not pre- where I'm least prepared, this is where I talk the most because you have to talk around what he doesn't know. He doesn't want to admit that. Right. And and think about how many meetings this is, this is it because, and, and now we're back to what I said in the beginning about meaninglessness, right. And waste of time because so many meetings, what, what are we talking about? We are not going directly to what it's about. And, and the, the, the noise-free principle that I'm working with is that we have to create holes in the noise to see what is actually important. We, 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 we don't see what's important it just because becomes noise.
1: That, I mean, that sounds very similar to mindfulness that they talk about being present.
2: There are similarities in the same way as, uh, as you can compare a, a soda with, with, a, with, with a beer because there's, there's water in both. This is an alternative to, to, um, to mindfulness and, and meditative practices because it's a very systematic approach. This is a systematic approach and it's it's a common approach. So we do this, uh, we, we make a, a, a common uh, a set of rules in our team where we follow that. It's, it's kind of like a traffic system. So so, it's, so we, I will never ask people to be mindful because I know for a lot of people, I learned that when I, when I wrote my, my book about uh, meditation after being uh, in a nine-day silent retreat, uh, and meditation uh, a mindfulness course in, in a cl- in a monastery in in Thailand um, I wrote this book and I just found out so many people they got really stressed of silence I uh, know of, of mindfulness and, and meditation oh I can't meditate I can't be mindful I can't be focused you're looking at one okay okay so you And then so someone
1: says about even the word meditation sends my blood pressure I can see it on here it goes up.
2: Exactly. So, 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 for example, I have like I have just gotten a huge client that has for a lo- for a long time. They they are very progressive, actually. So, so they also had mindfulness uh, on the agenda and stuff like that. But the problem was that that they, it was too uh, fluffy. People couldn't get it. And 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 what why they were attracted to this was that wow, this is a practical silence. This is a systematic silence. This is actually taking silence into. Why are we are spending most of our times, which is meetings. And, and since it's also um, strengthening our communication, it's strengthening our, our, our brain, it is um, our memory, our learning, our decision-making, and it's also strengthening our relationships. What's not to like? But you need to, to create this system because, and this is very important, we are wired. I, was, I talked about it with the dopamine, right? The dopamine. We are wired. To this, we want to just talk. It is easy to talk. It is difficult to stop talking. So, so we it needs. You need to have a plan. You need to 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 make this a, 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 have a vision about this, and you need to to follow it through. You have to be consistent. You have to learn how to facilitate this in a way so it's, so it is as safe as possible, and that is possible.
1: So tell us, explain to me practically how you might use it in a meeting. Is it at the beginning? Is it halfway through? Is it at the end?
2: Yeah, you know, you know, Pierre. The, the problem is that I, I've done this before, and 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 I can give you one one example. And 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 there is a problem with this because then I will meet people six months from now and say, well. You know what I'm doing this now I'm working with this because we start with 1 minute of silence in the beginning of our meetings because I told them that and it's it's more than that you 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 cannot you cannot you have to take it in you have to understand it you have to present this uh, so people understand why first of all before before I ask you to be silent you have to know why why are we doing this How long time are we doing it? So that's the practical thing. We we need to have a time frame of it, or else it will be just too weird, (laughs) simply too weird and and uncontrolled. But but I'll give you one 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 example, and that is that you could start your meetings with silence, and that can be one minute, that can be thirty seconds, that can be forty seconds. Uh, I, I I have organizations starting with two minutes of silence. You can use it to read the agenda if it's too horrible for you to just sit in that restorative silence. You can do many things, but, but you can see the problem is that, that now someone will say, okay, now let's let's go out and do that. I could also say that, that science shows that, that after 20 minutes in a meeting or in an educational setting, then we know that the brain goes into downtime, which is actually a very good place to be because that's where we connect with our default mold network. Like, like for many years, science, uh, scientists thought that when we don't do anything at all, the brain's kind of shut down. But now they know that that when we are doing seemingly nothing, when we daydream or we relax or we're standing in the shower, then we go into default um, mode network, and, and and this is where we are extremely creative. This is where we we go out with the trash of all the information that we just heard and 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 put put the puzzles together. And, and, and after 20 minutes, according to, to science, we, 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 we go down to this if we're in a conversation. So there's a big chance you've done that here now because we didn't have any breaks. So that's one place you could use. Okay, so we, we've been talking for 50 minutes. Maybe we should have silence.
1: As I get a little older, I really enjoy the peace of silence. When you've got a big, busy family and you've got a lot going on, I find that that's when I can think. So, you know, Dan sent me a task today and I didn't have any music in the car and I drove for ninety minutes thinking in silence about something he'd asked me to do. And it was lovely, really lovely. And I mean I came up with an idea. he probably he might think it's rubbish, but it,
0: it No, I have out. to say it was it was excellent. I thought blind, I'm glad Piers Back from our holidays and the brain is firing (laughs) on all cylinders, so it was it was great. And and Bastian, I I like the fact that you say it's not meditative. When we did our our silence before, you said I'm going to take some time to look out of the window, and I thought, oh great, (laughs) you know, so perfect. You sort of reduce the pressure on that time to think. Okay, well, Bastian's just looking at a scene in of, of Denmark somewhere, and I'm so I I've got no pressure, but I enjoyed. I really saw in there. And I thought about this: How do you facilitate silence? It did give me a chance, rather than talking about it, to actually thinking about it. Yeah, I know it sounds obvious, but that space was helpful. And I and I I, I feel I would have missed that if we'd talked. And I really am seeing, as you're promoting the the danger of words if you use using of talking of of, of being a, having to multitask all the time. It, it brought that home to me for sure. Um, and as Pierre said, you know you can. We can find these times away from each other, but find it, why not find it with each other as well? And you get this additional shared experience. Um, and it reminds me a little bit of the podcast about the London Writers Guild, where people write in silence, and they sort of they feel pr- the presence of other people. But uh, but that that seems to be powerful. I think our brains seem to pick it up.
2: Yeah, and and I can also say, it's like in, in my book, uh, you can also read about Jeff Bezos from Amazon. He has like uh, uh, meetings with his senior executives with up to uh, thirty minutes of silence, and where he also uses it for reading uh there they are also uh, in silicon valley they also have silent meetings where they sit and write to each other on, on on the computer and it comes up on a on a mutual screen like there are many different ways of using silence there's not not just one way fits uh, fit all one size fits all but it's just important to to get it into the culture so they understand it because i i can tell you from my work that when the when we start implementing this that's where the hard uh, part starts because so many people have they they actually not very good with intimacy and it can create this intimacy and and Pierre you asked me before should we look at each other and and I've, of course I would ne- I, I actually always tell people that we shouldn't look each other in the eyes unless it's it's a team building workshop or something where we go deeper because it can be very intimate. So And I use this also in phone calls. I I use it in all kinds of conversations. So people ask, which meetings would this be good for? I mean, every meeting where there's at least two brains present, then it's relevant with silence. Any any meeting where there's some exchange of information, because think about how many times you've been sitting in a meeting forced to multitask and, and maybe where you've been thinking about what do I want to say when it's my t- turn to talk? Like, what does, that make, what does that do to psychological safety, to our trust, to our mutual respect with each other? How much knowledge sharing has been wasted on meetings where all the colleagues are sitting and thinking about other stuff? And this is especially going on for online meetings where we can sit and, and actually physically do other stuff and totally zone out like it is it is insane how much um, human potential and how much waste there is like last year i did a huge project in asia in uh, in japan korea and and taiwan where where they found out that it was in a german corporation and they found out that that by by implementing silence on a regular basis within the meetings uh, they actually had much more interaction from asian colleagues because they were drowned in the European colleagues. It was kind of the extrovert-introvert uh, problem, which was also in the Asian-European uh, Euro- uh, problem. But they, the silence actually, in, uh, in some teams, the interaction from Asian employees uh, increased with, with 30%. Imagine we are in 2024, and and we have not uh, mentioned the word stress or burnout or speed of society we have not mentioned that at all and that's also a part of uh, the reason for bringing this in um, and and one of the a really really stressed employee at, at this company told me that she she was so happy after that implementing this silent performance culture because like when she came to a meeting and they were they were she asked for silence whether it was 30 40 seconds or one minute or whatever, that was the first time that she could actually sit down and breathe with a good with a conscious mind because like there was always something on her to-do list there was always a guilt that there was something else that she needed to do and that's uh, that's also back to your question what is the the difference between this and teaching people to mind, meditate or something it is the mutual it's the con- concept of of a mutual silent system That we, that we actually give each other that present of being present together.
0: Yeah, so true. Bustin, it's, as you, you mentioned, 2024 there, we are entering a new year where individuals are burnt out and stressed, I think still, and teams are trying to work and organizations are trying to work out how to do things differently. And of course, the bigger global picture is full of threat and division and all kinds of things. So we still haven't really solved these humor problems. So I can't think of a better way to start our year um, of We Not Me with than with this radical idea that you're you're promoting so eloquently so um thank you so much for being on we not me um today it's been an absolute joy to have you here and i really think our listener can take a lot out of it so thank you
2: thank you so much it's been an honor and i really appreciate it
1: i remember facilitating a number of programs with andy chebis who we've had as a guest from liw and he was the master, having a little bit of Quaker blood in him, the, the master of holding silence, and would ask quite a provocative question, and certainly waited a lot longer than that second to get an answer. I mean he would sit there for you know ten twenty, thirty seconds. But what was interesting about that is that he gave permission for people to think, and he gave permission for people to be in silence and the quality of outcomes was often a lot better than if you're somehow competitively fighting for air and airtime. So that's, I think, is a direct relevance. And I think a part of this is how many leaders feel comfortable enough to be able to allow silence. I think then, to some degree, feel the least comfortable.
0: I I think that's probably right, because that awkwardness does rise in you, doesn't it? I mean, I I definitely, I really like the way he he saw that these conversations as multitasking, which was quite a reframing, really, sort of that we are actually listening if we're doing our job right. And also, yes, however attentive we are, there's a need to in parallel, be thinking about what we're going to say to that, and it doesn't seem ideal. when you think about it, it's a very poor way of doing things and in a way in a broader sense it's a it's a, it's a good thing about email you know or messaging because you're not you don't you can actually do it chunking at a time you know so i th- I thought that seeing that as multitasking was quite a revelation for me
1: and sometimes some people do chew up a lot of oxygen, they like the sound of their own voice, and they're quite dominant in the conversation. And the quiet ones are are sidelined, so that becomes quite competitive sometimes, particularly within a team situation.
0: Yes, and I think that sometimes the quality of the thoughts that come emerge from our mouths are improved by um, a little bit of thinking first, and so you quite often get those twenty what was it nine thousand words of really ill formed, and they're just coming straight out. So I think there's are there, right. There's a bit of inclusion here as well that some some people are better at. The sort of jousting, the cut and thrust of a conversation. Others are really finding it too. The time is too full, and they don't have time to think about it. So th- this is a this is really powerful. I was just sort of trying to think how how a team leader could really facilitate this. I think practically, it's a, quite a bold thing to do in a way because we're just not used to it. Um, we we seem to be sort of, as he said, wired to talk. But you've got these three types of silence restorative. Um, relational or reflective, but I was, I was thinking it might be, it should, be, it could be something a team leader could potentially or someone else could sort of facilitate in a, in a meeting, just have a pause. Maybe if there's a big conversation to just sort of stop in the middle of it, have a moment. What, what, what would, how would you approach this if you had a team that needed a little bit of space?
1: I've seen it done well when a team leader said, let's take a, a minute or two. And think about this problem and jot some ideas down. So the, so the task that you're doing is writing, but which engages, you know, is, it engages a different part of the brain because of the the fine motor skills, um, alleviates the awkwardness because you're doing something. But if, but leaving it a little longer, you know, to stretch that out a little bit, make that maybe three minutes, something a little bit longer that just allows ideas to, percolate and I think where I think I've sometimes butchered this exercise is that I've got people to write things on post-its and then stand up and put the post-it up and I think the moment you do that you put pressure back on to make it almost competitive whereas actually I would sort of now thinking about this just sit down just just sit write, and um and actually have enough time and then sometimes we also fall into that facilitation trap we have to put music on don't i think actually you don't think music just need quiet it's almost like oh we need a stocking filler but I, I don't think we do i think that would be quite pleasant for many people
0: and also without that pressure of um i know this is close to your heart with the pressure of i'm supposed to be meditating i'm supposed to be thinking about my thoughts or concentrating on my breath or whatever that are actually quite difficult things to do and also not for everyone, but having just time on your own. I thought, but interestingly, a little bit like I mentioned there with the Writers Guild, uh, London Writers Guild, the, um, having that time in silence with other people seems to have some human impact. It's not just like, you know, this morning at some point I might sit down and have a think on my own. Actually, if we spend time together being silent, that's, it does seem to have that additional benefit. But as you say, without those... Accoutrement that we tend to add, right? You know, yeah, post-it notes or music, or we're going to share this in a minute, and blah blah blah. I, th- I thought it was it's a simple thing to do
1: because that's another part is that quite often you say like you've got a mixed amount of time, and then we'll share the ideas after. <laughs> so you put the pressure cooker back on by having an output, whereas actually I think what I what Bastien is, has has really provoked in my thinking is just take silence, go and watch the snowfall, watch the leaves.
0: So, yeah, I think it's a practical thing to do. A little bit of bravery required because it's, uh, like a lot of these things, different from the norm. Um, but, but there's, I think, a really practical and helpful thing to do, particularly in these times of back-to-back meetings, stress, burnout, and all these things. Just create. Um, a hole in the noise as Bastian said what a joyous conversation that was but that is it for this episode you can find show notes just where you're listening and also at squadify.net if you've enjoyed the show please do share the love and recommend it to your friends and if you'd like to contribute to the show you can just email us at we not me pod at gmail.com we not me is produced by mark steadman thank you so much for listening it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me